I think this is going to make a really interesting like political play or drama at some point. Oh. When a bit of if we still have that kind of thing in twenty years, and we're not all like trying to kill rats with a spoon, um, <laughs> like I think the rats can watch. Right. That needs to be your title of the podcast now. The rats. Can that needs watch. to be the um the like cold open. Cold. <laughs> yeah, the rats can watch. Just the rats can watch. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Social Review Podcast. I'm your host, Jasper, at Jasper underscore CH on Twitter. And this week we have got... Uh, hi, uh, I'm Renner, uh, at That Interlace on Twitter. I'm Joe, at Steamed Hams on Twitter. I'm Julia, uh, at Julia Blanc one on Twitter. Wonderful. Um, we've assembled um, several members of the Social Review editorial team to review and discuss uh, two recent books that have come out. Um, Left Out, The Inside Story of Labour Under Corbyn by Gabriel Pogrand and Patrick Maguire. I hope I pronounced Gabriel's names right. Um, and Owen Jones, This Land, The Story of a Movement. I want to say that's the title. Yeah, good. Um, neither of which I have read, even though I'm literally staring at my copy of Left Out. Um, but these guys all have, so I'm going to stop talking now and they're going to discuss and review. Well, let's, let's just clarify, I haven't read uh, this land that's yet. That's true. Uh, but I, between I, I, all I, I, of you. Between us collectively. I mean, I've read, I've read Left Out. I think Joe's read both. I've read the entirety of Left Out and I'm halfway through this land. And Julia, you read all of this land? Yeah, I read all of this land. But right, none of okay. Left Out. Not left out. I've I've read I've read of like um I've read like parts of left out. Sure, sure. So, so uh, I guess Joe has done the moderate centrist here. Uh, <laughs> should have read half of each. Right. Um. So, I guess I could talk a bit. I I think I could start by talking a bit about left out, just because I did, I did do a, um uh, I did a when it when it arrived I did sort of quite a long Twitter thread over about a couple of days. Uh, where I um, a woman went through the book page by page and like gave some thoughts on what in each place was. Uh, I mean, not try to spoil the book for anyone, but like get kind of. And I think, in some sense, that tells you something about what's quite interesting about the book, which is it's quite dense. There's just a lot there. The authors have done quite well at clearly getting uh, talking to a large, a pretty large range of sources from lots of different perspectives all of whom were kind of trying to chime in giving their side of the story. And because everyone's trying to give their side of the story, they have a, they have fairly decently, like, you know, even if everyone's trying to portray themselves in a, a good light, if everyone's doing that on all sides, actually you almost all, you get a clearer picture of the whole thing. And that's, that's, I think the most interesting thing about Left Out. I mean, I, I read, um, comparable books which are the two tim shipman books i think he's got a third coming out last year which were the ones all out war and fallout which clearly the title of left out kind of apes um and they're they're uh, I, I would say similar books but about the tory party in the context of the precursors to the brexit referendum and indeed sort of the time afterwards um i believe his next book ends uh, at the end of january 2020 which i feel is a bit like okay but things have occurred since then but you know putting that aside um and the thing I liked about those books was that, uh, I mean, I don't particularly just agree with Tim Shipman politically, um, and you sort of have to bear that in mind always with these things, right? Like, you know, you, everything everything was 
coming from a perspective, you, 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 you sing the being presented as what the sources are said, but you might not agree with the sources, etc. But it was a really, it was really interesting to get a kind of a psychological insight into some of the uh, structures that existed within the Tory party. And certainly I read All Out War uh, back when it came, quite close to when it came out. And uh, a name that looms a lot there is Dominic Cummings. At a t- and I read that at a time when, I'll be honest, among your average, say, lefty person on Twitter, I don't think any, many of them would have known quite who Dominic Cummings was because he hadn't been promoted into that position of power. But actually, if you read All That War and then from that read some other stuff Dominic Cummings had done, you could kind of predict some of the stuff that would later uh, occur. And so I, 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 I think the interesting thing about what I might call gossip books of this kind, which try to give a sort of first draft of history sort of thing and, and have, it, have everyone piling in the sources on each end, is that you can take them read everything that's there, critically engage with what's being said, not treat stuff as fact, not go, oh, this anecdote must be true, and therefore I'm going to base my entire philosophy off it, but just sort of look what's presented there, compare what you already thought, work out if it's going to change it. And I, I think that can actually be really powerful. So on, for that reason, I really liked Left Out, because I think it is fundamentally an analysis of a disaster and a failure, which is sad to say, but that that is in an objective sense what the Corbyn project ultimately was and whether you were a wholehearted supporter of the Corbyn project whether you weren't perhaps like me not really a supporter of the Corbyn project but you were quite left-wing so you were hoping that maybe Labour would win and that's where I was as many misgivings as I had or even actually I suppose if you're someone who really didn't want you know, if you were a Labour moderate I assume there's a lot of insights here as well certainly they didn't come across as people who don't fuck up so um, it, it's like I, I don't. I, I think people should probably read it uh, because it gives you a slice of insight. I'm quite interested actually to hear now about the uh, this land, the Owen Jones book, because of course that gives you a different slice. I just haven't got around to buying it yet, um, and I just think getting a different perspective is really useful. Uh, I think as long as you then go away and form your own opinions based on that, rather than just kind of taking the book's presentation and take and taking that verbatim. There's not to say the book is presenting a deliberately biased perspective, but like the inevitable. I mean, a weird thing that happens in Left Out actually is um, John McDonnell is in it, but they clearly, I don't think they can have talked to John McDonnell. Um, all the many of the people who are in his direct team, because the, the overwhelming feeling you get is that he just appears in the book, does some stuff in a slightly Machiavellian way, and then disappears. You mentioned and, that he was the McCavity. Yeah, he, he's like it, it's it's like <laughs> Maca- it's like McCavity in Cats, you know. But when you go to the scene of crime, McCavity's not there. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, the book's that. the book's quite ambivalent in McDonnell, who I mean, uh, to be clear, I, I've read Stephen Bush's review. I mean, he he is very critical of McDonnell and rightly so, which is that McDonnell is actually he's not particularly a nice man. He is very tolerant of like really quite crank elements in the Labour Party. And it's clear that he doesn't have a moral objection to say the anti-Semitism crisis, but I think he is a much more politically hard-nosed person. And you just got this. So the book has this weird sense of him just appearing, rolling in, batting something with his paw, rolling out again. I, I feel like I didn't get the whole picture there. I think that's quite interesting, actually, because of course McDonald is still on active maneuvers. He, I, I don't really predict that Jeremy Corbyn is going to make actual waves within the party going forward. I think he's going to be a clearly a figure to some part, parts of the left of the party. But like I, you get the impression when you sort of see McDonald on the news saying stuff or, or making some mm. speech or just saying fuck landlords or whatever at conference, that this is still an active political figure. 
And I reckon that's part of why actually he and probably the people closest to him weren't willing to just massively talk about his inner life. Because unlike many of the figures in the book, the independent group lot, many of the people at the top of the Corbyn project, he is still within active politics doing stuff. And I sort of felt that loomed large over it. The, the other person who's like that is Keir Starmer, where again, I think very clearly there were the people, because the book was being written in the context of this year, uh, and the team that's formed around Starmer have mostly, I think, closed ranks. I mean, and understandably so, they, they would like the Labour Party to succeed. They, they, don't, they won't want to be briefing off the record to someone who's going to present a picture of them. So you do get a picture of Keir Starmer in this, so some kind of interesting anecdotes, some, some stuff that's slightly revealing. But again, he feels like quite an occluded figure um as opposed to say uh i mean to say take the central kind of figure in the book jeremy corbyn who i certainly think feeling left out all his character flaws and I, i'm specifically saying character flaws here are kind of laid bare like uh, and i think the book is really strongest i mean it almost presents it as a thesis so it's sort of primary to think it but i actually just based on the its description of events that occurred you feel like it's a thing the authors have naturally come to which is that he is quite an indecisive man he is averse to conflict, and that kind of sounds like a good thing, right? We don't like kind of conflict in our relationships, but actually, I, I mean, I, I certainly have known people in my real life whose averseness to conflict, even when conflict is inevitable, causes more problems than it solves by <laughs> not facing up to issues or leaving leaving issues for subordinates to chase, and they take the emotional labour of that. I mean, Cree Murphy, who I, I don't think is necessarily, I mean, there are some other quite nasty bullying allegations about her but the person of the book i suspect the bits that she is sourced to but you do kind of feel sympathetic to her because actually this was someone who was very loyal to corbyn but was kind of having to take the a lot of the brunt of being his kind of sword because he wasn't willing to do that and i think that slightly pulled back leadership and that indecisiveness and that refusal to engage and that very fixed sense of moral rightness even in the face of, say, the anti-Semitism stuff, when almost everyone around him was saying, you, you know, like, like it was a decision that he made not to change course on that stuff, and he could have done, and it was really only him. Um, like, like, you just see the character failings and some of the moral failings, failings kind of there. Sure, there were political, strategic problems, but actually I think, in some sense, you can always argue about the different ways of politics or the strategy could have gone. But I think what it, 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 it shows is... I think some of these qualities matter and it's annoying because we don't, I think some of them left saying that like, I want someone who's a good leader can make us, I think justifiably a bit wary, but like there are some skills associated with leadership. You can learn them. They're not fixed or inherent, but you can learn them. It's quite hard to learn. And it's not really clear that Jeremy ever did or actually crucially wanted to. I was really struck by what you said about the absence of, um, like figures around McDonald in Left Out, because I think that's yeah. definitely true. I think the other big absence I felt was um, sort of Diane Abbott. She doesn't really yeah. crop up much at all. And she had a really interesting comment on Twitter. It was one of the most interesting yeah, things that I think um, a sort of socialist campaign group people around Jeremy have commented on the record about uh, McDonald and the split between uh, McDonough and Corbyn and comparing it to the split between McDonough and Livingston and I'd really yeah. 
be interested to hear exactly what's gone on there and what you meant by that. Yeah, but... so and I have seen some criticism of the left out book. Um, not both necessarily on the party's left, but it's just in Europe, which is that actually a lot of the book, like the people who do appear in the book, are often white um, and often men. And it's their perspective. And actually, behind the scenes, you ask there are a lot of people, quite senior people like Diane Abbott or just regular staffers. Who, I mean, there's, a, there's quite a shocking chapter, uh, actually, which is about a aide of Corbyn's who um, essentially had a torrid time with trying to get security clearance for the for Parliament uh, because she had some relatives who up to some dodgy stuff, which shouldn't preclude you from security clearance. But she, my understanding of these things is there are ways to sort of do, to disclose that kind of thing in a way that means that they're not going to have a problem. And then, and then I, I think maybe the advice she got wasn't great. But it, it feels I really felt for her. This is in this line like, as well. Right, yeah. I, 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 I'm yeah. interested in I'm interested in the perspective there because it, it honestly the way it reads is I just really felt for her. Like, okay, I think she's maybe made some tactical errors here, but like she's essentially i mean she she was feeling like the, the system was islamophobically motivated against her it's from what's presented in left in left out it's really hard to sort of argue with that perspective and i wouldn't want to yeah uh, and it just feels it feels pretty bloody miserable to be honest and and that's actually one of the things when you know, she was very loyal to corbyn and he was kind of giving her support but he wasn't stand i mean something that say to compare to something that keir, keir seems to be quite keen on for the most part, is this idea of like, which I think maybe comes from you know, he had experienced this kind of stuff in his previous careers, you know, standing up for your staff. And it's sort of it was this weird thing where Corbyn was kind of both clearly on her side, but also not really standing up for her. And kind of when people would complain about her, she and he kind of fired her, but felt bad about. It. And it, 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 oh, I, I, it's just a, it felt really horrible. Like if you, if you've, if you've decided that you have to fire someone. And at least have the courage to talk to them about that, rather than sort of putting them at arm's length because actually you feel really guilty. I, I, and that really left a, a nasty stain in my mouth. But yeah, I, and I think there are figures like absence of the book. I assume Diane didn't want to talk, not because I, I don't know how. I mean, I I, I I I don't get the sense that she's really a kind of a Machiavellian political operator. I mean, she's clearly a you know she's a savvy politician of many years. I, I assume she'll continue being the party as long as she as long as she wants to be. But um. I I didn't get the sense that she was left out of the book because she has active plans. I, I sort of get the impression it was either because they didn't feel like they had to talk to her or she just decided no. Um, and I got the impression she has personal loyalty to, um, to Corbyn in the sense that often there are figures in the book who are loyal to the project or the abstract ideal of getting a socialist government. And then there were figures in the book who are loyal to... Jeremy, um, like for instance, I mean, very understandably, his partner, who and I, I mean, there are some stories on this which are being much criticised, but I, I, I don't particularly like Jeremy Corbyn, but like if I was married to him or I was a long-term partner of him, I probably would go to back from all the time. I feel very loyal to him. That seems pretty reasonable. Uh, and I sort of feel like Diane is kind of back from. I mean, she's she's known Jeremy a long, long time, and I almost feel like maybe she felt some of that kind of protectiveness towards him. Um, and that's possibly why she didn't contribute. But I, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts, Joe? No, I, I mean, that is the thing, isn't it? Like, we are talking about people with personal relationships as well as political ones, and there's going to be different levels of loyalty, loyalty there. Um, yeah, I, I certainly felt like that perspective would have been an interesting one because there seems to be some sort of beef there with McDonald, but obviously uh, post sort of 2017, um, 
uh, Diane and McDonnell were sort of on the same side in this sort of split. Uh, yeah, so what, another thing I wanted to say about the uh, the Islamophobia episode with this staffer um, is that this is one of the bits where Kerry Murphy comes across really badly. Like, almost to a degree, I would say Islamophobic herself, but just really bullying. Yeah. Like, really, and very... Yeah. Um, it, it's very... It, it, it's, you know, as I say, like, there are bits of the book which portray Kerry Murphy in a positive light and make you think, oh, I feel sorry for you. But again, I felt this with most figures. I, I, I can feel sorry for people pretty easily, but I don't actually have to like them. And this chapter really made me dislike Kerry Murphy because it was really laying out that kind of bullying. You know, she... she she said some stuff that I think was Islamophobic. Or, she, you know, was, she allegedly, was certainly not compassionate. I can't she remember. She allegedly says that, like, it, it's interesting because this is one of those stories that show up in both. And in, in this land, I, I'm not quoting exactly. So, like, I think she says that the, the aid uh, is either in ISIS or her brother is in ISIS. It's like something like, something like pretty wild. So, so I believe, so the, the claim in Left Out is that she, ha she has, the, I don't really get, you know, so the claim in Left Out is that she has two brothers, one of whom is a journalist of some kind, has gone off to Syria to report there. Yeah. And, and she does have a brother who, it is alleged, I believe, went off, I mean, to Syria to go and fight for not particularly nice people. Okay, I mean, like, we all have family members we don't particularly like, and we might feel, we might and feel affected. she didn't disclose that. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. She didn't disclose it. I mean, like, basically, the mistake... The, the really awkward meeting is basically they called her in the, the 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 parliamentary security people called her in for a meeting and said do you have anything else you'd like to tell us and she did not say at this time what she actually knew which was oh, yes i do have two brothers and one of them i believe is involved in extremism but i am not personally and actually you get the impression they would have been a lot happy it's my understanding of these things is that often it's the failure to disclose that makes yeah. people, that, that makes them like super twitchy because then and they were like, they were like oh we'll have to escalate this i, I mean I, I think there's a mixed thing because it's not like those officers were but i think that the bit that's strikingly islamophobic maybe about the whole system is that basically then all of corbyn's flaggers who all of corbyn's staffers who to be quite frank had like not white sounding names started getting like flagged up for extra stuff and it was it, it, it it's really weird because the, 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 I mean, that whole chapter is interesting. Also, the same staffer gets a bit where she goes to, she goes, uh, she essentially gets into a meeting with the head of MI6. Um, and like, arguably, this was unprofessional, but also, I have to say, I was entirely on her side here because she basically like, gets to a meeting with the head of MI6 and basically goes, You should sort out far right extremism. And, you know, I mean, who amongst us, if we had a, <laughs> we had a chance, would not say something like that? So I couldn't really be like, Yeah, this was bad. Um, but, uh, but I mean, this is kind of the unprofessional conduct that gets her fired. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I guess maybe, but, like, it's a... It, it very much feels like Curry was singing as a rival because, because she was loyal to Jeremy. And, and then she just... Yeah, uh, it's, it's just some horrible, ugly conduct that's described uh, in Left Out from Curry. It's interesting that there was... Um, <laughs> that McDonald and Abbott clearly have um, some sort of historic disagreement, but they ended up on the same side. Uh, because of the sec second referendum splits, um, and it, this does sort of demonstrate the sort of the complexity of yeah. people's loyalties. Because you're obviously going to have your personal loyalties and your political loyalties, and it just seems like so much of um, left out. And it's and it's partly the nature of these books, which cover things in quite a sort of dispassionate way and sort of like this is what happened like describing events that that you do see all these like 
the importance of interpersonal relationships in um politics in politics in, in yeah, political situations like this and i think that really comes across in terms of mcdonald and corbyn but but beyond that as well um yeah I, I think it's something that we often don't you know we we have quite clear ideas maybe on us who are on the twitter the twitter sort of people I, I think often we think a lot about policy and, and ideology and, and where people stand in that but i think it's probably safe to say that interpersonal relationship like there are people i really don't like i think are horrible people on twitter but if we sat down and compared what our political beliefs are, we'd probably believe on most, we'd agree on those stuff. But I don't want to do anything with having anything to do with them when we're mutually blocked because they're terrible people, uh, and they probably think I am too. Uh, but um, I mean, I hope not. But you know, like, um, <laughs> I didn't mean to nod at that. But <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and it's just—it's um, not about just who you know; it's how you treat people. How uh, when the when the chips are down, I mean, there's a bit where I think Tom Watson warns Curry Murphy about something. I can't remember the details on this. Tom Watson warns Curry Murphy about something uh, because of a previous loyalty, which is actually I think, turned out to be quite crucial. I can't remember this detail. It's because of the previous loyalty they had when working for Gordon Brown together. And uh, it shows... In a in this land, it's he warns her that Andy Burnham is about to come over, or some or a delegate of MPs is about to come over. Yeah, it's something to... like that. Uh, and then they close, uh, they're like, don't let anyone in because yeah. they've been warned. Yeah, no, exactly. And and I think that's a really great example of, like Tom Watson is obviously on the opposite faction here, but actually it's important to cultivate, if, you, if you're trying to move in politics, it's important to cultivate these relationships and loyalties with people because often they can transcend like the ideologies or policies or the things that you're, or factional fights that are happening because people remember and feel like they they they, they want to reciprocate. Um, I thought it was a really powerful example of that. Like it's it's just uh, uh, and you never quite know when these things are going to come up. And as you were saying, it really shows the complexity that anyone trying to spin anything as a as a narrative of those X versus Y or anything like that is just. Do you want to talk about uh, this land a bit? Because I feel like we've had me talking about left out for some time. Yeah, yeah I, I also had a question I was going to ask about about both the books, but we can link it more to this land. Um, so obviously we've we just spoken a lot about um, left out and what it reveals and what it doesn't reveal, but about the different individuals involved. But something I'm interested in is to what, to what extent do both books, maybe leaning more towards this land, um, sort of reveal new aspects or like paint the Corbin project in new lights that we hadn't previously considered because everything which I'm sort of hearing bar the sort of slightly more favorable treatment that Kerry Murphy maybe gets sometimes in left out. I suspect um, because it's Kerry Murphy speaking, let's be clear. Well, yes, yes. Um, everything that I'm hearing, everything that I've read about both books is that they're sort of confirming what we already knew. Is that the case or is it other other actually things in there? And it's like, oh wait, no, this has made me see the project in an entirely new light. What I think uh, is interesting. Oh, sorry, Julie, do you want to come? No, um, mm. I, so I haven't like apart from like the Ian Murray revelation, I actually cannot think of like any revelations in both of these books that weren't just like sort of like basically known. Sure. Like if you're if you're anorexic, like I, I understand that most people are in anarchy, but like. If you like been on Labour Twitter, you've basically had much more or less a sense, apart from the mm. Murray revelation, I think. 
I, I think the only thing I would say is that yes, there, there isn't anything new in the books. It would be weird if there was. Like I, we should feel suspicious of any book that came out at this stage and said actually what you thought about the project was completely wrong or this is going to completely shift it in a new light. Like this has been happening very publicly for some time. It would be, I mean, uh, one thing I did when I was reading Left Out, which I didn't encourage anyone to do, is try and acknowledge where my bias was. And I feel like I ended up in maybe a similar place to where I'd already thought, but it, it, it maybe shifted some stuff, I think. And, and that worries me always. I, 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 you know, you want to come into a book sure. thinking about what you already think. You come to a book thinking about what you already think. I, I mean, I, I think you would struggle to read Left Out honestly and not come away with a more critical view of Corbyn's character that is the thing I would say is that I haven't really seen a a really good analysis of his character just by laying out these constant faults as it does in the same way and I think I, I really would advise anyone who is a re- who was a big Corbyn fan and continues to be considered themselves on the label left and a fan of the SCG and all of that to try to understand those bits because I, I think it's people who still have this very hagiographic image of Corbyn that maybe it can help to shatter. And I just think it's healthy in general. You shouldn't think any politician is your saviour. Um, I, I sort of think what's interesting as well is like um, the extent to which the, the books basically confirm the same account. Like there's there's slight differences and and this one starts um, earlier. It, it does sort of the rise of Corbyn a lot yeah. more than um, left yeah. out. But they essentially confirm the same account. And I think there's like little details in both that I perhaps didn't know, but the broad brushstroke of your um, of what we sort of knew from the outside is confirmed by both books. Even even obviously Owen Jones writes from a perspective um, where obviously he's he's very much of the left. He's he would describe himself as sympathetic to Corbyn for sure. Um, even though he he himself would say that he's had doubts at various points, but he, he would describe himself as sympathetic to Corbyn. Um, and I think uh, even his book confirms a lot of the the criticisms that we that we've all had from the outside anyway. It's just it adds it adds little details that perhaps we didn't know, and it's quite interesting to see people properly lay it out in on the record quotes. That's quite a useful exercise, I think, because then we know exactly what people were thinking. At the, the the thing about Corbyn's criticisms lines, the criticisms of Corbyn. Is that Corbyn is probably I've never seen like someone who is supposed to be like this agent of change, this great thing, but at the same time is often criticized as this passive person to who history happens to. Do you get what I'm saying? Like yeah. people people often criticize Corbyn not as if uh, not as if he, it's like he's not an adult. Like a, a mm. lot of the time there is this. And I and I think it's because you know he's older. There's like a, a whole fragility there, and he feel he he's constantly attacked, and people feel closer to him because of that. Sure. But like one of the things I think is is surprising, I think, and from extracts I read of left out and from this land is that like in several points when you're reading this, you go, "This is a man with agency," like you know, like at several points he could have gone, "No, yes. I'm not gonna." He doesn't. He 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 doesn't execute that agency. But he, he, it's he, almost like he's painting himself as someone that history happens to because he doesn't involve himself in discussion. Right. Right, that, exactly. There's that but anecdote where, to act, but like that's that's what I think. It's it, like the criticism that like 
I feel like it's like people don't get at this criticism and and I feel like both of this book these books in in a way sort of like address though maybe not as directly or maybe like because it's not their proposal they don't say it like the refusal to act is action itself yes yeah well, like I mean, no. and, and and this is like very telling on anti-semitism and I've been I've been, like I've been thinking a lot about this and I think this land is like I thought it was a really good book. I thought it was like very well written. I thought it was very like involving. I thought it had like a very like degree of honesty and um, empathy to some of some of its people. But I, I think like the thing about uh, the chapter anti-Semitism where I stopped and went, okay, yeah, this is all happening because of this and that. But like Corbin actively makes the choice of not acting. Yes, he actually... like he's not a, like like and, uh, and the reason why he why he doesn't do it. It's not like it, it's less because of the things in his heart or or the issue of morality. Is because in the end he makes the active choice that causing the suffering, causing these anguish to the Jewish community is less important to him than the political political project that he wants to to lead. And and I and I think this is a very important thing. Well, I think, I, I think it goes beyond that. I mean, I found the, the, the equivalent chapter left out really upsetting to read. Uh, like, it's just hard reading. Uh, and a lot of it is. I found the chapter about this, this staff that I mentioned before sort of similarly so. Um, just I think that some of the bits where they kind of, they, there's a real personal aspect to it rather than just kind of maybe palate intrigue and people running around Westminster. Um, so the anti-Semitism chapter left out really hard to read, which actually means I found it hard to think about particular details because it was just, yeah... It was difficult to read, um, but one thing that is, I would actually, I, I would slightly disagree in that the portrayal is certainly left out. Is that actually this is a moment where he did have agency? Because actually, the correct thing for his political project was to make his compromise and just, you know, he, okay, yes, I mean, you should say people shouldn't support the IRHR definition of all its examples simply for political expediency. Yes, I agree. But actually, for, even from political expediency points of view, which literally everyone around him was shouting at him and telling him the correct decision was not what he did. And at every point then, he didn't actually decide the thing for the project. And I think this is the thing that's the most revealing, right? It wasn't for the project. It wasn't to get Labour elected. He just really believed that the right thing to do was to take actions which literally everyone around him was saying, this is causing anguish, this is causing hers. Yeah, but like, that's what I'm I, saying. Like, like it, it, it wasn't like a thing like... Like... If he could compromise the political project on that belief, on the things, on taking action anti-Semitism, then it would not be the political project that he wanted to pursue. And right, but it was, but and and actually, then you. And it could be like, oh, but it would be better. It would be more electable, but it would not be the one that he wanted to pursue. And I think this is useful because, Mm -hmm. like, we had the whole kerfuffle yesterday with the votes, and we're like going like, oh, but this is it's because it's a culture war trap. No, guys, it's because in the end leaderships make choices and they decide that they're going to cause this anger anguish and hurt and and these problems because they think it's yeah, worth uh, it for j- the j- political j- project that they want to pursue for, for, for the uh context of the tape we're recording just the day after labor have abstained on the second reading of the overseas operations bill uh, a decision which i think literally no one understands because they are very clear to they all their speeches and everything they said is like we're against this because it supports torture and yeah, then yeah. they they all troop into the. They all troop. Well, they they you know, go into a lobby. There's no lobby. Yeah, and yeah, they all have stayed. It's like it's like what what games are you playing here, guys? Are yeah, you and, unequivocally against torture and, and war crimes and want to make that illegal because people shouldn't be 
give it amnesty simply because they happen to be doing crimes in the and room. if you're playing games with the second reading then why are you sacking pps's for it i like I said, yeah, like if you call the bill unconscionable well, like, no, but like, I, it, like i'm not saying this because of like because i want to make a criticism of Keir Starmer, but rather because i want to make a criticism of like what a leadership is let's get a, a guy that like everybody like I'm, I'm unimpeachable in loving him i love ed miliband why did ed miliband make that like controls on immigration mug because in the end, although he's a good person, although he, I truly do believe he has a good heart and he wants to do good things, he thought that the anguish and pain that that mug may cause migrants was worth the political project that he wanted to pursue. Yeah. And that's the same thing with Corbyn. You know? and it's, and, and it's he he thought that the political, the political, the, the, sorry, he thought that the, the, the hurt and the anguish that it caused the Jewish community was worth the political project that he wanted to pursue. Well, so the distinction I'd make there, as I say, is that I, I, I don't really think that Ed Miliband truly believed in his heart of heart that this was the ideologically correct thing to do. And that's why, he, and he wanted to keep his project pure. So I feel like the motivation is slightly different there. But I do think your general criticism is right. That actually, oh we shouldn't like overthink criticisms of leadership and whatever that, whoever that leadership is, we should actually just judge them on the actions, even if those actions are inactions that they actually take. And I have no doubt that Keir Starmer's leadership will continue to do things which I and many other people hate and occasionally they'll do things that I quite like. And But they have agency in that. And Corbyn's leadership had agency throughout the thing. I mean, especially after they had full control of the NEC, full control of the party structures. I, I, like, I really... Uh, and I, I, I just think it's unhealthy to try to keep excusing why stuff happened. Because I actually think, things happen for reasons and probably those reasons are quite tied up in who's leading the party. So I go into it. I think what's quite striking as well is if there's that the anecdote that really sticks out as sort of summing up Corbyn's leadership on almost everything else, apart from anti Semitism actually, is the bit where they're he's in a, sat in a meeting and they're arguing over different interpretations of his words. So he wasn't making himself clear, but he did make himself clear on anti Semitism. He made himself clear and he didn't move he didn't want to move that was the one thing that he did actually yeah, it, 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 when, you, when you read left out it's like um you know that meme which is like i sleep real yeah. shit and it's like it's literally that that literally the only time that he got Spectre. fired up yeah was he'd this one issue about on other the... issues it'd literally been a meeting about other issues where he's made his point and then opposing sides in his team are arguing about an interpretation of his words and he's saying nothing. Right, but, and that's um, bizarre, isn't it? Because like, if, if, if people are in front of you arguing what you meant and you're physically there, yeah. but he's, and he's just like, why would you not say, hey guys, I mean, it reminded me of, you know, I have, for my sins, worked a little bit in the private sector. I think this happens in the public sector too, but management culture is a bit different in them. But I think, probably if you've been in work for any length of time you've probably encountered managers or figures who are a bit like this who are kind of just who just sit back and let people just and it's it's bad management like mm. you know like i'm not saying to the okay i appreciate like telling a socialist to read a management book is a little too, <laughs> like it's not going to help much but like there are ways to like help manage a team of people i don't think i think that's going to be true even in the socialist utopia or hopefully in a non-hierarchical uh, non-coercive way of course but um <laughs> like getting how to organize some people and help them do a thing it, an interpersonal relationship so it's a, it's a really hard thing and actually i think it's something that um you know i, I know parts of the left um 
the non-parliamentary left, the, the sort of, um, you know, I have, I know people who know people who are in that kind of ex-parliamentary protest sort of slightly more, shall we say, bottom left of the political compass sort of people. And they're often a lot, not always, but often a lot better at understanding some of this stuff about interpersonal relationships and healthy dynamics and whatever. Because actually, if you're trying to build that kind of movement that they're kind of build, it's sort of essential from the ground up. Whereas people who might take what I might call a more top left, making a lot of Stalin memes sort of perspective. <laughs> I mean, kind of, if, if that's where you're politically coming from, maybe you don't really believe it matters if you're nice to people because that's not really your intention anyway. Um, I find that kind of interesting. That, uh, because, I mean, personally, being the sort of woolly hippie that I am, I do think controversially being nice to people is nice to people is good but also part of being nice to people is being clear and honest with them and don't leave them to sort of just you know uh, flail when you could make things easier it's just like communicate exactly what you mean and it's just striking to me that the thing that he was able to communicate was the anti-semitism issue and and that's just that's i don't know it's a lot of things but um I would say that, like, if the story of the project has, like, four protagonists, it would be, like, Carrie Murphy, Jeremy Corbyn, um, John McDonough, and um, Seamus Milne. Well, I mean, I'm not saying his name correctly. Uh, how, does, how does Milne comes off, come across in... Uh, Lazy. Uh, it's the same. <laughs> La- lazy. In this land. Just indecisive. Yeah. Um, there's a few comments which I think almost border on the homophobic, and I don't really know what people are thinking. It's. I feel like if you discover, if you describe someone as wafting into a room with a croissant, <laughs> like that, that, it felt really weird. To, I, like, I felt uncomfortable with that. This like, is like, the same as Milne and Peter Manderson used to be friends. Uh, but no, I mean the actual criticism of him is that he just. You know, I mean, he might be a big brain, big thinker. Fine, but like, is he? he I, I said, <laughs> might, I said he <laughs> might be. I, yeah. I um, yeah. I, I believe, according to quantum mechanics, all things are possible, Jasper. So, uh, yeah, but, all things are possible in the Lord. As, well. as, as I, what was that quote that people have said? As a head of strategy, it would have been good if he had some. Yeah, um, and he didn't. That 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 was going to. Well, I had two questions, and that was going to be one of them because. Uh, when I was saying earlier about things that it reveals that are sort of surprising, this was one of the things which did sort of take me aback because the characterization of Seamus Milne for the past five years was not as someone who is lazy. It was just as someone who yeah, so this was is barking this is... up multiple wrong trees. Um, yeah, and this, this is somewhere where I feel like I did revise my opinion. Um, another good thing actually about the books is because it lays it all out. It does some stories that I remember at the time but I'm really read of revelations per se, but I had just forgotten because mm. just new stuff had happened. And so it's quite good to have it all kind of laid out or a large amount of it laid out. But yeah, so I mean, because some of the criticisms of people close to Corbyn had come only from the anti, anti-Corbyn sort of press and things, who I, I don't think were always very good at reading some stuff, they kind of became quite blurred. So the, the view of Milne as an authoritarian Stalinist, I mean, he might in his heart politically be an authoritarian Stalinist, but in counter to what I was saying before, absolutely what he appears to be is not that when it comes to the, like, like his failings as a manager are not that he is like an iron fist enforcing his ideological will on people. He just doesn't give them clear directions. And you know the description 
you know the description of Dominic Cummins that uh, Stephen Bush does. That is like a man that says, "I'm gonna bring that. I'm gonna re redecorate this room," and he like breaks a wall and then leaves it. Leaves that for a long time, and like, uh, like sort of forgets. And that's like that's way more of the vibe that I got from Seamus. Really, I know the kind of person that you mean, and yeah, I think. Um... I think the claim is probably true of Cummings. Cummings is definitely a man who understands how to do demolitions more than he does to build stuff. <laughs> and but Milne is, yeah, he he sort of like has this grand plan that he wants to make, and it's like I'm gonna do this thing. It's gonna be completely like, but like, and then he like comes in and he does, and that's the thing about Carrie Murphy, that like also in the Stephen Bush review, uh, he says. You know, if I had to work with these people, I'll bully them too. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, again, like not for the lower down staffers who, uh, I, yeah, the treatment, the treatment there was awful. But like, yeah, I, I, I probably get quite frustrated with Seamus Mill. Another thing with Kerry Murphy is that the thing that comes across and left out is she. I mean, she was a trade union. I think the the term is fixer. You know what I mean? Like, like she gets stuff done. She was quite good at getting stuff done. An attribute that's sort of hard to quantify, but is broadly when faced with an unnavigable hellish bureaucracy like the Labour Party, uh, you can move that bureaucracy to do things. And I think Kerry Murphy had that and has probably that skill. I suspect going mm. if you if you're the kind of person who comes up in the trade union movement, you get good at that kind of thing. And if you come up in whatever Seamus Milne spent the last few decades doing, The Guardian. Yeah, then, then, then you don't necessarily, right? I think those prior experiences sort of matter in terms of what you bring to things. It's like, it's a little, like, it's the thing about this land, which is, it's his greatest flaw and its greatest uh, asset, which is like a book full of empathy, but that empathy is very selective. It's very, like, it has a lot of empathy for, for like, uh, Jeremy Corbyn, but not in the way that it's like, you're forgiven, but in a way that it's like, I understand this is why this person is like this. This is a flawed person, but see them in the context that there are, you know, there are like a lot of like little snippets in, in this land that I saw were like, that the like, you know, I don't particularly like Corbin, but like, I was sad for him. Like, I, I, I don't think, I don't think there's anything dignified about the way that the press and some elements of the POP treated a 70 year old man. Who is yeah. clearly not well in, in in some in some points, like in, in health wise, he wasn't. Yeah, well. and then there's some stuff about which I, I shan't repeat because it's kind of they don't know for sure. But there's some stuff about like he might have been slightly more unwell at certain points. Yeah, you know, I think the stress has really got to him. Like I suppose one of my personality flaws is that I basically can empathise with most people. Uh, it doesn't mean I like them. Doesn't mean I condone what they're doing. But like I can sort of go, yeah, I, I feel bad for you. Um, that that's rough, buddy. Uh, and I there was a lot of that's rough, buddy when I was reading about. Jeremy in, in Left Out. And the book itself is not particularly like sympathetic to him, but it just sort of says these things happened. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I, I mean, like, I, you know, I, I felt like that. I mean, goodness, this book made me feel like bad for, so I'd always, you know, I'd felt really bad for Luciana Berger because the circumstances under which she left the party were horrendous. Had I really felt that bad for most of the independent group plot? Not really. Do I like any of them other, other than Luciana? Not really, but there were points in this I did feel bad for them, and I was like, okay, there are some genuine concerns here, and, and I mean, I mean, so, some of it is just incompetence. But like, I was like, okay, I, I can see the stress you're under. That feels bad for you. I think you can do that. I probably, I don't. Maybe I'm just trying to excuse my own character flaw here, but I think it's probably quite healthy to sort of do that and sort of see why your opponents are doing stuff 
and like trying to see things from their perspective, I think is a good attribute. I mean, I even try and do it with some. There's something that the Chipman books maybe do because the talk is horrendous and you're a terrible person. But yeah, I can see why you want to do that. Why that make you miserable? And yeah, okay, that, that yeah, fair enough. I would say very quickly. Um, I don't think anyone particularly comes out particularly well from left out from any side. No, no, no exactly. We could be, and it's because of this sort of like everyone, everyone like trying to like come across well for themselves yeah, and yeah. therefore shit on everyone else. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, literally, literally on those times when the very circular firing squad is like actually very appropriate in politics, right? It's it's a and it's literally. Which, I mean, this is the thing with McDonald is that mostly he comes across quite well because there are some people critical of him, but it. He kind of evades a lot of it, and because he sort of doesn't just doesn't appear much because they couldn't. I think you, you, it's really hard to just put the critical sources in. You need that pushback to kind of create the, the dialogue effect that, that kind of that they're doing in the book. And so, like, uh, my advice for anyone who thinks that they might, who in 2015 <laughs> is going to be in a failed political project and wants to like not be in the gossip book, is just don't talk to anyone. And like, and and you know, uh, that is also true for Starmer. That yeah. that's. Starmer also like in in this land he comes across he doesn't come across well per se but he clearly doesn't come across as a plotter who is trying to like bring down the label like he comes across as a guy who is trying to like you know make connections and and, and such but like not in a cruel way more like you know he was trying to he was trying to do his job his his job was like basically to fight a position that was acceptable for the labor party and also keep alive the possibility of being leader sometime. Yeah, he's, That's a pragmatic, he's a pragmatic and savvy political operator with decent skills. He made some questionable choices at various points and arguably had a bad Brexit policy, but was you know he was pretty hemmed in by stuff that happened. Um, I don't get the impression. I think some people have taken away from left out that he was like continually plotting to undermine Corbyn all the time so that they could become leader. And I just didn't. That just wasn't there at all. I don't believe. I don't. I, a. I don't believe that even what like happen in reality but also be that's just not what left out portrays even some of the early feelers that were clearly happening among people who like like i think there's this weird idea that somehow up until the actual failure of your political project you can't anticipate its failure which i just don't get like actually let's be honest i think even early january in 2019 um or even before that I mean, I would say it's it was after the sort of summer of 2018, the whole anti-Semitism, that, that, that summer of anti-Semitism where it got really nasty around the HRA decision. And it comes across in the book is that actually almost after that time, that was when Corbyn was kind of broken and done, but had to keep going. Uh, anyone sensible and a savvy political operator like Star Wars could probably have seen... doesn't mean you're not going to yeah. give your all to... Yeah, you're yeah, not going to yeah. try to get Labour to win, but you can see where this is going. And this there's this, and, and clearly, I think that's what, like... Uh, people like RLB and probably Laura Pidcock will kind of start to measure up the yeah no and then, like, that few... this is this is this confirmed in Left Out because in in this land Laura Pidcock is is explicitly mentioned and someone they were lining up I yeah, don't in Left Out is it, it, it mentioned in Left Out yeah okay yeah yeah I mean very briefly I think um, but yeah, yeah 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 it wasn't it wasn't like a whole thing constructed but like you know if if Kirstarmer sending out feelers is is like is unacceptable then like Emily Thornberry sending out feelers, who was like, who, it's funny, because, like, she used to be, like, somebody I was sure would be the next Labour leader, and then... She wasn't. Yeah, then she wasn't. <laughs> yeah. TLDR. Um, I mean, it seems like, to me, a case of book that I read confirms everything which I already thought. Um, 
re on Twitter. Yeah. Um, well, so so I find a sort of wrap up question, which I had, which touched on several things that you've all mentioned um, throughout this about um, Corbyn's character flaws of being very indecisive um, with regards to his leadership. Um, He's basically Hamlet. Okay. Corbyn <laughs> is Hamlet. Okay. Well, no, I mean, okay, but, but actually, in all seriousness, he is um, Hamlet. <laughs> Well, because I mean, okay, well, my basic, I have never actually read all of Hamlet. I am not a critical student. But like Hamlet's basically about a man who's not very, indec- is not very decisive, right? That's what yeah. it is. That's, that's all. There's no, no more analysis needs to be done. There we go. Mm. Literally analysis solved. Fair enough, but, right. Um, but I, sorry, I, I actually had a serious point here, which is <laughs> that um, I think this is going to make a really interesting like political play or drama at some point. Oh. When there's a bit of dis- if we still have that kind of thing in 20 years and we're not all like trying to kill rats with a spoon. Um, <laughs> like, I think the rats can watch. That needs to be your title of the podcast now. The rats can watch. That needs watch. to be the um the like the cold cold open. Yeah. <laughs> The rats can watch. I'll I'll write Just the, the rats can watch. Yeah, I'll adapt left out in this land. <laughs> right, well, this is such a nice thing to like the testament to the end of political project. But yeah, I think it's just it's just a lot of, there's a lot of rich character drama here that a skilled playwright could like could do a lot with that's what sure. i'm saying thank thank god we got one about the rats can watch is that like <laughs> it it was my like overwhelming feeling about the labor party once if, like i was i was i read this book like on on an airplane while well, i was having like a prolonged anxiety attack because i hate like flying and like by the end of it i was like so depressed i forgot to be afraid because like <laughs> Because, like, the thing about the Corbyn project is, like, Stephen Bush has this line. He says, everyone in the Labour Party deserves to come across badly, and they all do. Uh, and, 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 like, I don't feel like we've made, like, any significant strides. I don't feel like we've, like, we've basically, like, we've lost the war in the sense that, like, we, the soft left, lost the war during the Corbyn years and now. But also in the sense that, like, everybody who has any preference to anything that's not the Tories has lost the war. Nobody has won this and we haven't even won a way to be nice to each other afterwards. So like, it's literally the rest can watch, you know, like it's like, yeah, I, I, I had, I had really hoped, I don't know why I thought this might happen, but after the defeat of Corbynism, I, I didn't know something I was like wishing for because I want the Labour government to win as much as the whole thing had a massive flaw. I just didn't want the Tories to win. Um, like, I, I I really thought afterwards maybe there would be a sort of sense we could kind of come together, but I actually now believe that to be impossible. Yeah, you, and, and you know the thing you said about Kerry Murphy, that Kerry Murphy has experience. It's like, when you read these sort of books, the impression that you get is that it's a poison system. That like, these people have experience in being horrible to each other, and the only thing they know how to reproduce is being horrible to each other. Mm. Caught an endless cycle of pain. It, 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 it's, it's like literally, you know, like that poem, you know. Man hands on misery to man yeah, deep and exactly. black coastal shell. Yeah, they fuck you up, don't, don't they? The Labour Party. <laughs> um, well, so so, so this, this links with what I was going to ask. This is sort of like tie in all together question which we probably won't be able to like fully debate in this time but like might be able to bring some strands together um so we talked a lot about corbyn's character flaws he was indecisive um 
Rana, something which you were talking about at the beginning of this podcast, which is quite interesting, was about how, and which I agree with, is about how there is sometimes a very instinctive dislike on the left when we say like, oh, well, you need you need to be like a strong leader. Or you're like, you need to just show leadership. I think, yeah, um, strong leader, I think, is distinct from having leadership because you can sure. certainly be a leader without, a good leader without being the thing which traditionally has strong. I think maybe strong leadership is the only way people, some people know how to be a good leader, but yeah. Sure, yeah, okay, that's a fair caveat. Um, but just like, I, I, I mean, I mean the sort of like political reality that if you are leading a political party, then you as an individual matter and your individualism matters. And at the end of the day, all of politics is ultimately about somebody needs to make a decision who is going to be the one to make that decision. It should be the leader. Um, sometimes it's not for character reasons, um, but it should be the leader. Um, and that politics as well as making a decision. Well, I mean, uh, I, I think there are visions of politics which are not like about a leader at the top making a decision. No, no. But, but you, I mean, you, need, you need effective, you, need, you certainly, politics, I agree that politics needs to have effective ways of making decisions in good and timely ways. Um, yeah. Um, and that ultimately somewhere responsibility needs to be assumed and taken, right? So in yeah. the Labour Party system, we're going to say, okay, the leader of the Labour Party needs to take responsibility. If we had a cooperative leadership, then we'd say, you know, the, the people, the plural at the top of the Labour Party, all yeah. need to take collective responsibility. But regardless, what I'm saying is that um, I sort of like continual perception from my end of the, the Corbyn years um, when they were actually happening was that actually those individual characteristics and those matters of like the, the sheer like personality of politics, which we do instinctively dislike for a multiplicity of reasons, um, don't matter. Like I've lost count of the number of times that it was like, oh, it doesn't actually matter that Corbyn is unpopular because the policies are popular. Obviously then, you know, we're not in government. So um, do we, did, did we, did you guys get the sense from either left out or this land or both that while the Corbyn project was happening, there was a sort of that sort of internal dismissal that character mattered, that those interpersonal relationships mattered substantively, that individual matters mattered, and instead that it was just the ideas, the ideology, the policy that mattered. Or was there a growing sense as it went on that, oh, wait, no, maybe it is a problem that we have a leader who doesn't seem to be able to make decisions, who doesn't seem to be able to take responsibility. Maybe it is a problem that we do all kind of hate each other. Maybe it is a problem that the public don't really seem to like us as people. So the thing about, the thing about, you know, I think can, I, if there's one thing we can put you bad from 2019, is that like, popularity matters. Having a, a leader that people liked is not everything, but it's it, it matters, and and it, you can be like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, it sucks. You know, and and that matters. No, if you're Hillary Clinton, like super centrist, or if you're Jeremy Corbyn, if yeah. you're super unpopular, it's very very hard to win an election. You know, but also like, you know, the one of the reasons why I think a lot about uh, Harold Wilson is because like a lot of things like your job as the leader of the Labour Party, as a leader of a, a political party, is to uh, keep, is to like keep rolling a machine that wants to fall apart at any time. Mm. And, and, and so like, so like there are 
institutional problems with the Labour Party, you know, like where, you know, the culture is bad, the people don't like each other, you know, a lot of the people in the POP are entitled and, and annoying in all sides, you know, and people are petty. It has a lot of these problems, but it also it has like a media environment that seems to like be programmed to make everybody crazy. But there is also like, but like if you put yourself forward to be leader of the Labour Party, your job is to deal with that. And I'm sorry, it's really hard. It, I'm sorry, it sucks. But like, it matters. You have to do it. Mm. Yeah, that's basically but the position. There is a sense in um, left out and what I've read of this land so far that there is a general feeling that everything's collapsing all the time mm. and they're just trying to like patch things together and get past get through for this 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 wider project and i think um and yeah i think as julia said a lot of that is cultural and institutional and mm. and but it was created by a vacuum left by corbyn i think that's the ultimate less the thing that i take from uh left out and even if i'm trying to be like generous to Milne, which i don't not particularly predisposed to but it's really hard to like communicate something clearly if you're not if nothing's being communicated clearly from the top so it, mm. ultimately i think the responsibility lies with a leader who left a vacuum in with by by not providing that decisiveness and not providing that clear communication to his immediate team and and then that's where you get all these all these other problems start to lead from this this point um you're gonna have splits and divisions if there isn't a central vision being communicated clearly from the top and that did not exist at mm. all yeah I, I would agree with the points that both of you have made um I think one thing we've not touched on much, mostly because left out, takes place after it. And I know that this land doesn't cover loads in loads of depth. Um, you said that, 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 that everything was filling a vacuum left by Corbyn, but of course we have to remember that Corbyn, in some sense, was filling a vacuum left by ultimately New Labour. And mm -hmm. um, obviously, the Miliband years happened. But I mean, I, I know as, as someone who was certainly a party member for some of the Miliband years. <laughs> Totally None of the years they happen. They sure, <laughs> they sure as hell happened, didn't they? No, they? They did, but I don't remember them now. They're just a blur of ah. Uh, and that's because I think the party was just punch drunk and dead after the new Labour, and it was desperately there. There were people desperately trying to start the new Labour. Yeah, they, 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 they were like, if we just create a large ritual circle and summon David Miliband, we'll be we 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 will all be. There's like all such a there's such a fucking sad story in in this land where like. Uh, Ed Miliband is talking to like this guy who was Obama's aide and like campaign, and he goes, "Why do you want to be prime minister?" And that goes into this twenty-minute explanation of why he stood against David, and then, right. and then the guy goes, "Okay, okay, 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 but why do well, you well, 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 want to be prime minister?" minister. Yeah, exactly. And it's like I, so I'm... sad because you can see like he hasn't like it, it like that, that like it's like that thing about the empathy of like like you can see that he broke him. Yeah, like, exactly. And and I think in some sense, I'm not sure Corbyn could tell you the answer to that question yeah. perfectly as well. Uh, but I think in some sense he would have a better answer to it than Ed. Uh, so I think the the thing is that the, the, the pressure I got was that probably Corbyn got elected kind of off the back of who he is, 
because that who he was and his personality and his past and his sort of slight pacifistic nature and wanting to please people probably did ultimately get him on the ballot, which is something we should sort of note is that when people talk about John McDonald as a, as a possible other leader, yeah. okay, there are there are reasons why that's incredibly flawed, which I think Stephen Bush has laid out, namely his like his tolerance of crank groups. Like he, he is not a he wouldn't have been a moral choice. But actually like, I think he did not have the reputation for just getting on with people. So he probably wouldn't have got on the ballot. Yeah, yeah. He was and actually, Jeremy Corbyn had a sort of a... Like, I feel like, basically, a lot of people who'd been maybe passively involved in things like the anti-war movement, and, you know, he he, he, he was just sort of a figure. And maybe people didn't know the problems with him, but like he sort of they sort of knew him, and he could exude that aura, and that's part of why he was pulled in. But you really get these... And, and, then, and you know, there was the unexpected in some sense certainly for me success of 2017 but you got the impression that no one really knew what exactly why that had happened mm. uh, and certainly if it, it certainly wasn't because like the party machinery was trying to help them make, make it happen as the book covers and i think it has been widely discussed um it was a whole mess of things and i think trying to recapture and improve on 2017 is what a lot of labor politicians seem to be thinking about nowadays because whatever happened there they want that to happen again and better so that they Labour get a majority or maybe they can form a minority government. They don't want 2019 to happen. And so much of it, I think, was about like in 2017, Jeremy Corbyn was one of the most popular politicians in the country. In 2019, he was one of the, he was like one of the most hated politicians in the country. Now, you can say, oh, that was just media smears and they demonized him. I don't agree. But you can say that. Um but, but that does still matter. We, 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 if you want the left to get political power, you're going to have to deal with the fact that, like, they will try to make pe- like the right and people who are maybe not engaged in politics hate the people who are leading the party. That, that, that demonization happened with Ed, like horrendously. The stuff that he got was horrendous, and it will happen to a degree with Keir. It's why I really think the people on the left who are kind of feeding now of Keir are really chasing a dragon that they do not want to find the end of the tale of. But also, um, like, th- that's the thing that, like, that's the implied thing that Owen Jones never said, but, like, I feel it's, like, heavily implied. The proje- the Corbyn project had the plan not to be a manager of capitalism, not to be a, a reformer of capitalism, but to, like, literally uproot capitalism and rebuild Britain. And they couldn't handle, like, day-to-day stuff. If you accept that it's going to be an uphill climb all the way, if you're yeah. left, but because at some point, and I hope to goodness, it is a less toxic form that has no dodgy links to people and all of this kind of stuff that doesn't have those flaws that the Corbyn project did. But at some point, it seemed quite likely that a left part of the Labour Party might well end up in charge again. I don't know when that'll be. I think it'll certainly be a long time. It feels like it might happen. If it happens and whoever it is who gets it when the pendulum of time swings to them hasn't learned any of these lessons, which it feels like those lessons weren't learnt from really the last kind of time this happened. Um, I mean, not that the flaws in, say, the 80s were the same, just to be clear, but, like, some of them were, and those lessons weren't learned. And if we can't learn the lessons again... I mean, what does that say? Like, like, and I think I mean, if I might say one thing, I've been I, I, uh, so I, I'm on the Open Labour National Committee. Uh, we had a, this isn't just a plug for Open Labour. Bear with me. Uh, we had our like rally uh, as part of like a fringe conference of the day. And I'll be honest, 
it was one of the happiest things I've done in the Labour Party in ages. It was just a Aww. great rally, like lots of people talking positively and innovatively about left-wing progressive ways in which we could push it forward in the Labour Party. We kind of accept that maybe like it's not like that we're like the strongest political tendency within the party because the leadership are sort of being a lot of other forces and are much happier with the right than we are. But like, you know, it was just it was. <sighs> Like, I think something that I really like, um, the reason I continue, you know, the reason I'm on Open Labour National Committee, the reason I think Open Labour is an important organisation is because we really care about things like culture and safeguarding, and we don't want the party to be a shit place to be for everyone, but especially, you know, yeah, uh, Julius Bush putting that, the rats were all here. Yeah, yeah so I, <laughs> we're, all the rats have moved. <laughs> you know, and that, and that, that, feel, and that was just a really... I, I, that it just felt really positive, and and I think if a political party or any project is to have any future, um, we joke a lot about the Labour Party feeling like also hell and shit to be in and making people really depressed. But it obviously shouldn't be like that. Mm. That shouldn't happen. And either you conclude that that's integ- that's inherent to it, it will always make you feel like that. In which case, probably you should find something else to do with your time because it's not particularly healthy. Or um, you find those spaces which are of people who are trying to change it. And certainly for me, that's what open labor is. So actually, I, I'm, I'm not just mentioning it off the cuff, it's just because I really feel like the counter to that kind of vacuum and fear and factionalism, whatever, is the kind of politics that I, I feel about, I, I feel very good about, and I feel like comes out of organizations like open labor. I'm sure there are other people in the party who feel like this who don't align with open labor for one way or another, but that's certainly like what we're, what we're there for. social review podcast draws to a close thank you so much for listening thank you so much to joe judy and lines for coming on and talking about the books um i do hope you enjoyed listening to the discussion uh, regardless of whether you've read the books or not and if you haven't read either of them you can go and buy this land and left out in all good bookstores thanks again and you will hear us again very soon have a good week bye-bye